right, let's get into the, to the message this morning, uh, the short letters of the New Testament. Uh, we are going to be in the little teeny tiny book of 2 John today, and we're calling it Stick to the Truth, Stick to the Truth. Our, our, our short letter, as I said, is today is 2 John. Uh, uh, we're going to talk more about this book, but, but since it's short, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's start off by just reading this letter that was written by the Apostle John. So let's just read through it real quick. Uh, starting with verse 1, of course. The elder to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, uh, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, and I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who is chosen by God, send you greetings. Second John is usually referred to as a general epistle. Epistle means letter. It's a fancy word for letter. Uh, it's a general uh, epistle of the New Testament. It's called general because it is not written to any specific person or, or to any specific church. For example, Philemon was written to a man named Philemon. First uh, and Second Corinthians was written to the church at Corinth. Um, Second John was, was meant for any and all Christians in the churches of the first century. Uh, they were mostly in Asia Minor area, which is modern-day Turkey today, the churches that were there. And, and of course today, uh, all New Testament books that we use today are, are, are for any and every uh, Christian, no, no matter who the original audience was initially. Today, they, they, are, they are benefit to all Christians. Again, the author of 2 John was the Apostle John, which is why we call it 2 John. John was among the original 12 apostles of Jesus, uh, but he was also among what we often call the inner circle of Jesus. Often Jesus would choose Peter, James, and John. James and John were brothers. Uh, he would choose these three uh, to experience unique and special moments uh, with with. Jesus that the other nine were not invited to experience, like, like his transfiguration. Uh, in Mark chapter 9, you, you read the story of the transfiguration of Jesus. That basically meant 
that Jesus was uh, transfigured or he changed into uh, the spiritual being that he was in heaven. Uh, Jesus invited Peter, James, and John to go up on a mountain, and, and they got to see Jesus transfigured into uh, how he would have appeared in heaven. Uh, Mark chapter 9 uh, describes it. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Um, and Peter, James, and John there on the mountain saw Jesus speaking to Abraham and Elijah. Uh, what a unique experience it was, and only those three saw that. Uh, these three were called to, to aside to spend a lonely night uh, with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as he prayed in agony just before he was arrested. So Peter, James, and John were especially close to Jesus. Now, in, in John's gospel account, uh, John, one example is uh, uh, John 21, verse 7, John refers to himself in, in that gospel that he wrote as the disciple whom Jesus loved, just expressing, again, the, the closeness between him and Jesus. John and his brother James were sometimes referred to by Jesus as the sons of thunder. Uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 17 is an example of that. Uh, these two brothers were uh, rough-hewn guys, colorful characters. They, they wouldn't back down from a confrontation. In fact, they, they even looked forward to confrontations. They, they could be very aggressive in the way they approached things. And that's why Jesus called them the sons of thunder. But, you know, later in John's life, he would be known not as a son of thunder, uh, but the great apostle of love. And the early church writer Jerome wrote, uh, when John would come to the assembly of Christians, he would be carried to the door of the place of meeting where he would pet Christians on the head saying, my little children, love one another. <laughs> Very different from a son of thunder, isn't it? As you read John's gospel and his three epistles or letters, it's clear as to what John held as most important for the Christian. Love. Love was most important to him. Love for God, love for each other, love for one another. One of the reasons why John's writings are so important is because of his personal and intimate relationship with Jesus. You know, to listen to or to read a letter from John is to hear from someone who personally witnessed more of what Jesus did and said than anyone else in the world, with the exception of Peter and James, the inner circle. This, this letter was, that we just read was, was not from just any Christian teacher who was relating some a lesson that he learned from somebody else. Uh, no, it was a letter from someone who knew Jesus personally. John's teaching, you might, be say, you might say, was straight from the source, firsthand information. John wrote this letter and his other epistles near the end of his life, <clears throat> uh, in the latter half of the first century, uh, probably in the middle 90s, the original 90s. Um, Christianity was still very young during that time. Uh, by the middle 90s, it, uh, Christianity was less than 70 years old. During this time, there was no New Testament for Christians to refer to for guidance like you and I have today. 
the only true authority that those early Christians had was the 12 apostles, again, who, who were taught by Jesus himself. Uh, and, and, and a few men who the apostles themselves laid hands on and, and uh, would share the truth with. Uh, people like Timothy and Titus, Luke and Mark. Uh, through those early years, uh, the apostles traveled to share the message of Jesus, the truth of Jesus that they heard with their own ears and that they experienced. Wherever they went, they would tell the, the lessons, teach the lessons that Jesus taught them. Uh, uh, and they would also write letters. They couldn't be everywhere all the time, but they could write letters to churches and to individuals to do the very same thing, to share the gospel message, to share the truth of Jesus that they heard themselves from Jesus. Now, of course, the challenge during those early years, as it is today, uh, is keeping people focused on the truth, <laughs> the truth. You know, as I said a couple of weeks ago, it's always a challenge to keep a group of people, any group of people, focused on an agreed-upon truth. Uh, because any group of people will include many agendas, preferences, opinions, and biases. We all have them. <laughs> we all have them. Uh, where there are people, there will always be a tendency to allow an agenda, a preference, or a bias to affect the way we view the truth. In fact, some people attempt to distort or change or completely disregard the truth, claiming that they have a, a new truth or an enlightened truth or a better version, a better interpretation of the truth. You know, better, better than the gospel message that was taught by John and those who knew Jesus personally. Uh, it, it was... This circumstance that the Apostle John uh, was addressing in this very short little letter to the churches. Uh, his message basically was this, stick to the truth. Folks, stick to the truth, the one that I taught you, the one that I taught you. Stick to that. The first century church was dealing with several challenges uh, in, during that time, including the spread of Roman persecution that was heating up. Uh, the development of, of several false teachings of various kinds, and the rise and the growth of, of something called Gnosticism. Gnosticism. Now, while maybe you've never heard of that word before or don't have any idea what it means, it is a philosophy that still exists today uh, and is very much alive today in our culture. Paul addressed, Paul addressed it when he wrote his letter to Timothy and 1 Timothy 6, verse 20 and 21. Um, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away, uh, and, and that, guard what has been entrusted to your care, that's the truth. That's the message of Jesus. Guard that. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed in uh, and in so doing, have departed from the faith. They, they have this knowledge, and they've departed from the truth to something they say is the truth. You know, Gnostics taught that there were, the Gnostics of that day, taught that there were two gods. There was the dark god of the Old Testament, the Father, 
And there was the God of light of the New Testament, Jesus. But God could not be approached personally. Uh, He was at a distance and could only be approached through uh, angelic beings. They followed the philosophies of Plato. Uh, The concept that nothing exists except in an unseen world of ideas. That sounds fancy, doesn't it? And one of the primary challenges of Gnosticism, or or Gnostics, people who had knowledge, uh, is their belief that truth truth is ever-expanding, ever-progressing. There is no standard of truth. Truth is ever-changing depending on the time and the circumstance. Now, many Christians uh, of that day were watering down the truth. Uh, They were changing the truth. They were even abandoning the truth in light of new truths. That, as Paul Paul said, people who had knowledge, we've got new truth. John's message in his letter that we call 2 John is simply, as I said, stick to the truth. There is only one truth. And it is the truth that I taught you. Stick to it. Stick to the truth. So let's read again verse uh, 1 through 4. The elder, to the lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. Now, many feel that because of Roman persecution, that was an issue that was, that was challenging the church at that time. John's letter was somewhat cryptic, and you can kind of see that in, in, in the way he opens it. Uh, he identifies himself not as an apostle of Christ, as he, as he uh, might otherwise, but simply as an elder, uh, the elder. You know, elder was a term for a church leader, but it was also a Greek term just for an older man. Um, uh, the lady and her children are probably the church and the church members. So to a Roman official, if he was to get hold of this letter, uh, it would just look like a letter from an old man to some lady and her children. (laughs) Uh, Not from a church leader and a persecuted church. Now, the word truth, as you may have noticed, is mentioned five times in the first four verses verses of John's letter. Uh, He addresses those who know the truth because the truth lives in us now and forever. Then John states the basic truth, verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. That's the basic gospel uh, that he states there. And then he addresses some of the children who he is happy to find are still walking in the truth. There's an issue going on, but there's some who are still walking Verse 4, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. You know, not everyone is falling for this new truth that people are are bringing. Uh, And and John is thankful for that. Um, 
And so this letter, first of all, was meant to encourage those uh, who are walking in the truth to stay right where you are. You know, stay faithful to the truth. Don't listen to these people who are bringing the new truth, a new truth. But if some are walking in the truth, that means others are not, right? Others are not. So John also needs to address how do you deal with those who are not walking in the truth? So let's look at who some of these people were. Uh, verse 7 and follow, 7 and 8. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone in, out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Uh, John calls those who have wandered from the truth deceivers. What's a deceiver? A deceiver is a liar, someone who's telling something that isn't true. And a liar follows the father of lies, Satan. Jesus identifies Satan as the father of lies in, in John, John's gospel, chapter 8, verse 44. Deceivers uh, can be people who know that they're deceiving. They're doing it on purpose. Uh, they, they understand exactly what they're doing. Uh, and they can, deceivers can also be people who are completely unaware that they are, have been deceived and now are deceiving. Uh, they can be extremely sincere uh, and passionate about their truth that they're teaching. Uh, they were deceived themselves by other deceivers and are convinced that their new truth is now the true truth. You know, one thing that we can always remember is this. Sincerity, passion, conviction, sacrifice. You know, if you find somebody who's teaching something and they're just very passionate about it, very sincere, they've dedicated their life to it, that doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean it's true. Deceivers are very clever in finding ways to prove their case, even using scripture. Uh, Satan, remember, used scripture to try to tempt Jesus to bow down to him. John, the guy who knew Jesus better than almost any other person who ever existed, he writes, any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. You know, today, influenced by Hollywood, we often think of the antichrist as, as someone like uh, little Damien in the movie The Omen. Remember that back in the, in the 70s uh, starring Gregory Peck? Uh, He's this evil little boy with the number 666 literally tattooed on his, on his skull. Uh, uh, and he, he grows up and, and, and conquers the world. Uh, but more often in Scripture, John describes the Antichrist as anyone. Anyone who teaches against the truth, who teaches against Christ. You know, they, they are by definition anti-Christ. And when I say antichrist, I mean the Christ that John taught, you know. And they don't have tattoos on their heads. You know, they just teach something that is against what Jesus taught. It's as simple as that. That's an antichrist. The example given by John that was going on during that time is that some uh, were teaching that Jesus did not come in the flesh. In other words, 
He didn't become a man born in Bethlehem to Mary and then live a, a human life. Um, now, maybe they believed that Jesus was God, but they didn't believe and they taught that he did not become a man. You know, and we might be tempted to think, well, at least they believe in Jesus. You know, have you ever said that? Well, you know, Islam, at least Muslims, they, they believe in Jesus. Uh, or, or some other group or cult that, 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 under, that says that they believe in Jesus. Okay, fine, but is it the Jesus that John taught? Uh, if, if it is not the Jesus that John taught, they're an antichrist. Because only the Jesus that John taught is our Savior. Uh, if Jesus does not become a man, if Jesus does not become a human like you and me, uh, then he cannot die as a human for our sin. That was the point of his mission, to be a man, a human, and die for all humans. He became a man. He lived a perfect life, a sinless life. And then he sacrificed his perfect sinless life for our sinful life. You know, that truth cannot be compromised. It cannot be ignored. It cannot be modified. There aren't different paths or roads to God through different religions. You know, I've heard people say that. Well, as long as you're sincere, you know, if you, as long as you follow your religion, there's all kinds of ways to get to God. No, there aren't. <laughs> because the only way to get to God, you know, and, and Christians say that not because we're arrogant. No, we're better than you because our, our religion is, is more superior than yours. No, it, it's the only way to God is if our sins are forgiven. And the only way that that happens is if Jesus, the Son of God, becomes a man and dies for our sins. That's the only way it can happen. And that's what Christ offers through Christianity. John wrote the words of Jesus in his gospel account that he heard with his own ears. Jesus say this in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Then, then John wrote in his, in his letter, 2 John, verse 8, Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Now, John and others had worked very hard to teach the truth of Jesus, to teach what they heard from Jesus to others. Uh, and he's, he's, he's warning them, don't lose that. Don't lose that. Don't abandon uh, your, your faith in Jesus that you were taught. He is, is the one through whom you receive your reward, not through any new truth that someone else brings. Don't lose it. And then verse 9, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Now, this is an interesting phrase. The, the phrase, anyone who runs ahead, uh, in the Greek, could also be translated, anyone who goes too far, or anyone who is being progressive. Now, being progressive is often touted today as someone who sees the light. We see the light. 
We've come out of darkness, and, and we're someone who made improvements on that old, obsolete way. And, of course, sometimes being progressive is a good thing. <laughs> it's a welcome thing. You know, I'm thankful for the progression that has taken place in technology. You know, it's been helpful uh, for us today. We think of Facebook. Now, there's some things about Facebook that we may not like, uh, but there's some great things about it, too. I mean, it's, it's been a blessing to have Facebook during this pandemic so that we can still worship together uh, online, and that's been a good thing. We think of the telephone, you know. You and I don't have to call Sarah and get her to contact us with somebody, connect us with somebody like they did in Mayberry, you know. Uh, you know we can just, uh, if we're stranded in the middle of nowhere, uh, we don't have to get out of our car and walk through the snow to knock on the, somebody's door and wake them up so we can use their phone uh, or find a pay phone somewhere. No, we can just sit in the comfort and safety of our car and call AAA uh, with our cell phones. Uh, how about medical science? It, you know, think of the advances, the progressive progression that we've made in medical science, uh, creating a vaccine for COVID in less than a year, and, and all the, the different treatments that we have now for the different uh, sicknesses that face mankind. You know, sometimes progression is great and welcome, but when it comes to the truth, there is no such thing as running ahead of it. There is no such thing as a progressive truth. The telephone evolves, yes, but truth does not. It does not. You know, as in John's day, uh, we live in a time where many deceivers try to tell us that truth has evolved. Truth has evolved. You know, haven't you heard? Right is wrong. Up is down. Left is right. Boys are girls. Girls are boys. Marriage is man with man, woman with woman. You know, God's designed for the family, a husband and a wife raising their children together, teaching them by example how to be godly people. You know, the progressive, progressives say, that's not necessary. Family's not necessary. In fact, it's a bad thing. In fact, you're a racist, a homophobe, a xenophobe, a misogynist, if you even suggest it. Because you might be offending someone. You know, sometimes if we're outside of God's truth, we can progress towards it. You see, truth is set. It stays in one place. And it doesn't move. Uh, and sometimes we can be outside of truth and we can progress towards the truth. Not a new truth that we discover or that evolves, but the truth that has always been found in the Word of God. You see, that's the key to truth, the Word of God. That's where it's found. It's the only place it's found. You know, it took a hundred uh, years and, and, and more in America to progress towards the truth that God created all humans equal. We fought a war. We experienced uh, the fight for civil rights for all Americans, the truth that no matter the color of your skin, you are equal and precious in the sight of God. Uh, and, and so therefore, we should be equal and precious in each other's eyes as well, no matter who we are. That's, that's not a, a truth that was newly discovered. That was a truth that has always existed. It's always been true. It's always been God's truth. We're all precious in the sight of God. 
Today, however, some are trying to reverse that truth and once again punish, mistreat, and divide people based on their race, of all things. You know, one name for this progressive new truth is critical race theory, which basically says if you were born a certain race, you are inherently a racist, and there's nothing you can do about it. This progressive truth is driving a wedge between us in our country, causing people to once again judge someone simply by the color of their skin. They look at a person and look at what color they are and say, you're a racist. You know, racism has always existed among some in all groups and in all races. It's always there. It's a human weakness that we have. But it is not in our DNA. It's something that's taught. You look at any playground where children are playing of different races. They don't see color. They just have fun together. They see each other as equal. It's only later when they're older that they're taught to hate by someone. And just as we can be taught to hate, God's truth can teach us to love. God's truth can teach us to love. And in fact, that is the heart of most of John's writings. Love one another. Love one another. Let's look at verse 5 and 6 again. Listen to John. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this love, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Now, this is not a new command, John says. It's not a progressive command. It's the command that has been in place since the beginning. Love one another. Rather than pointing fingers and, and shouting hatred towards, towards someone that you disagree agree with or because of the color of their skin or because of some political view that they have, instead of pointing a finger in hate, reach out a hand in love to meet a need. That's John's message. Love one another. And remember, love, as we said a couple of weeks ago, love doesn't mean caving to the truth as so many seem to think it does today. Love doesn't mean agreeing that up is down and that bad is good. No, no, true. sometimes people, you know, okay, I'll, I'll agree with your truth because I don't want to offend you. I want to make you feel bad, so I'm going to agree that your truth is, is right. No, truth never changes. God defines truth in his word. God defines good and bad. God defines right and wrong. And that never changes. But we can love someone without caving to the truth. Let's not let progressives define uh, what the new truth is. In fact, God, John tells us to reject those who teach a deceptive truth. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, the teaching that he brought, the truth that he brought, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. 
John's pretty clear. Reject the deceivers. But with others, again, as we said a couple of weeks ago, lead with love. Lead with love. Let's stop pointing fingers and reach out a hand to meet a need because we love them. Let's stop dividing into groups and let's seek to unite by sharing the love of Jesus. And if we lead with love, people may still reject the truth that we, that we live by. Uh, and, and that might lead them to reject us. It happens. It happens. But it will be because of the truth that we hold to, not because of the way we treated them. And so, from the disciple that Jesus loved, and now, dear Stony Brook, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you've heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Father, I thank you for this little book that your servant John wrote. Uh, Lord, uh, it, it's not a lot of words, but it's just enough that we need. It's just enough that we need to understand a couple of things. Truth never changes, and we must always focus on it and not let deceivers push us away from it. If we're short of the truth, if we've fallen short of it, Help us to move towards it, but help us not to move ahead of it because truth never changes. But Lord, while we're following the tr truth, help us to never forget that uh, our, our primary uh, uh, identifying characteristic as a Christian is our love. And so while we hold to the truth, help us to always show love to those around us uh, as they're trying to discover what truth is. Help us to make Jesus attractive to them through our love. Father, I thank you for the truth. Help us to love those who are around us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.